Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Everything's upside down in the land down under. In Australia, Christmas comes on one of the longest, hottest days of the year. They also have their own flora and fauna, kangaroos instead of camels. And that can't help but have an impact on their Christmas music, as the following Australian ditty shows. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Four kookaburras, three javaroos, two pinkalas, and an emu up a gum tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me five kangaroos, four now, that charming little tune is not part of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus's new show, but that show does look at Christmas through an Australian lens. And Philip Barnes, the artistic director of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus, is here to tell us about it. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. It's very good to be here. So for this year's Christmas show, why Australia? Well, our Christmas programs are always different because we like to find a prison that's original and try and look at the season in a wholly new light. And so it always occurred to me that um, we, we associate our Christmas so much with the ice and the snow that we've just been digging ourselves out from. But if you're in Australia, as you probably heard on the news yesterday, it was the hottest day on record. And so your experience of the holiday season must be very, very different. And so from that point on, I started to look at music that was written by Australian and New Zealand composers for the season. And it sort of roughly divides into two parts. The first is uh, a, a set of arrangements of familiar carols. They, very European, of course, in their origins, those two nations. And so they like to take European carols and give them their own twist, everything from the Angel Gabriel to Silent Night, which uh, is really quite beautifully arranged by an Australian, Daniel Brinsmead, and that'll be on the program. But there's also another side of Australian carols, and that is, as you say, looking at the flora and fauna of the country and trying to imagine the Christmas story, if you were, in that landscape rather than the landscape, shall we say, of Galilee. I want to play an example of that. And this time, it's not just a goofy song like the one we did earlier as a joke. This is actually um, your group, the St. Louis Chamber Chorus, and it's a song they'll perform at the Christmas Down Under show. It's called Carol of the Birds. So, Philip, what should we listen for in this song? Well, listen to all the names of the birds because they will be quite um, unfamiliar to you, I suspect. You're going to hear about brolgas, who are cranes with long legs that sort of stalk around the, the marshes. You'll hear uh, bellbirds, which are famous for having an incredibly loud and not particularly nice call, <laughs> firebirds, currawongs, lorikeets, you name it, and even bushbirds. So these are some very alien birds we're going to hear about. Uh, let's listen. And that's Carol of the Birds, as performed by the St. Louis Chamber Chorus. It's part of their Christmas Down Under show, which is this weekend. And we're here today talking to the artistic director of the Chamber Chorus, who is Philip Barnes. Um, Philip, that's a lovely song. What are some of the other highlights of the show this year? 
Well, the composer of that song was William James, or Billy James as he was known, and he was very uh, instrumental in the setting up of the music department at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And in, ever since he took over that in the late 20s, all the way through to his career ending in 1957, he was really committed to this idea of making Australian music, Australian carols. Hmm. So you're going to hear quite a few of those, actually. This dotted was his through. life's work. Was well, you know, it was a, I, don't, I, I wouldn't put it that strongly. It was a passion of his. He liked to do it. it I think it was... A, he found a wonderful co-op, uh, a collaborator in a staff writer for ABC who was called John Wheeler. And together they wrote these, um, I suppose, extremely uh, European-centric poems, but set in a new landscape. And the idea, for example, of instead of the three wise men, you get the three drovers putting their their cattle to market and this sort of thing. So, and what's a drover? Uh, well, they, they drive the cattle oh, like okay. a cowboy. This is an Australian thing, mm-hmm. and they have a large cattle industry there. They do. Okay. They do. And so uh, there are lots of pieces that sort of reference Australia dotted through the program. And they're, they're very pleasant, and they're, they're, you know, they're familiar in a way. Even if you've never actually heard the piece, they're written in a style that you can immediately warm to. But in addition to that, as fairly typical of our choirs, we find music from very different sources as well. So you'll also hear some music by probably the most uh, distinguished Australian composers of the last century. Peter Sculthorpe was a collaborator sometimes with Benjamin Britten and was really a very fine composer. And we're performing his two carols. He only wrote two, uh, The Birthday of Thy King and Morning Song for the Christ Child. And he put those on um, right at the last minute, uh, the latter one, actually. He was given just a few days' notice to write it. Mm. And the publisher said, I need a carol, quickly. Um, it's a very, very beautiful piece. And I don't think anyone's ever really heard that here, except when we, we performed it ourselves some years ago. In addition to that, we've got music by another very distinguished and almost infamous Australian composer, Malcolm Williamson, who was uh, multi-talented. He would have loved the segment on cabaret because he was a cabaret pianist. Mm. He was also a church organist. He was a classical composer. Um, He was many, many things. Uh, And eventually, um, having set up in in London, having left Australia, he was appointed master of the Queen's music in 1975, which is an honorary position where you are asked to write ceremonial music for court occasions. And 1975 was just two years before the Jubilee, the Silver Jubilee, which if anybody's watched The Crown, they'll be familiar with that towards the end of the, the series. And Malcolm Williamson, of course, was commissioned to write a major symphony for that. And horror of horrors, he missed the deadline. And this was a very bad thing indeed. And in some ways, um, his career, I think, took a downturn from then on. They couldn't remove the title from him, Master of the Queen's Music, because it was a lifetime appointment. But they did um, really cold shoulder him in some ways. He kept writing music, um, but even when I was growing up, which shows me my age, um, I remember people saying, you don't want to commission Malcolm Williamson because you never know if you're going to get it or not. And he missed this deadline. Did they have to sub in an an older piece of music then instead? Yes, I think they did. Oh, that's got to be a scandal. It's terrible. And uh, so... A lot of things happened as a result of that with poor Malcolm Williamson, um, who was actually uh, one of the one of his many challenges was that he was suffering from alcoholism, which didn't help. 
and he had an enormous writer's block once he'd been given this position of you know master of the queen's music but he uh wrote very beautiful music none nonetheless if you if you can find it i found one piece written from the very same year which was a remarkable collaboration again referencing the tv show the crown because it was a collaboration between him and mary wilson Mary Wilson was the wife of Harold Wilson, who was the prime minister of the time, hmm. the prime minister that the Queen got on very well with. And so in that very year that Williamson failed to deliver the Jubilee Symphony on time, um, he did collaborate with Wilson and wrote a very beautiful carol that you will hear on Sunday. That's sadly, can I just say, sadly, just to finish the story, because it really is terrible, really, is that uh, even though he kept writing music and he became more and more aware of the... The, the 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 indigenous populations of Australia started to try and write music referencing them and commemorating their sacrifices, which again didn't necessarily go over well with the establishment. It was you know he, the he was right doing voice. this in the 70s. No, I was doing this in in the 80s and 90s, really. Okay. But it was really one of those classic cases of the right voice at the wrong time. Ultimately, he died and. Um, he was never knighted. He's the first master of the Queen's music in over 100 years not to receive a knighthood. Not one member of the royal family showed up at his funeral. And after he died, they said, we're never going to have that again. And so they made the appointment a 10-year appointment from then on. So he's a pretty That's pretty quite a dramatic character. story. The, it is. The backstories in classical music. It's uh, um, Now, in our last minute here, I know that you also make a real point of including female composers. That's part of the we passion do. of the chamber chorus. That's got to be hard when you're already looking for Australian and carols and then also needing a female composer on top of it. How did you work that into this show? Well, actually, it's not hard at all because women write music everywhere. Yeah. You just need to look. And, and you people, found it. And people, people say, how do you do it? I went, you look. So I, a former composer in residence of the Chamber Chorus was Claire McLean from New Zealand. Another one was Melissa Dunphy from Brisbane, Australia. I simply put in carols that they'd written for us or for other people, and they're just part of the mainstream repertoire. And you can hear that at the Christmas Down Under show. That's this Sunday. And if you're interested in information on that, uh, what is your website? Chamberchorus.org. Chamberchorus.org. And it's at the Priory. We didn't mention that. The St. Louis Abbey. Okay. So at the St. Louis Abbey on this Sunday. Well, Philip Barnes of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.